The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What role does community play in your life? In Episode 3, join us in the arena as we discuss the essence of community. Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we are going to talk about community. So before we dive into that, I wanted to share with you all how we come up with, you know, the content of these episodes. And it's pretty simple, actually. We are both brainstormers. We need to be together in the same space. And we literally just start writing down all the things that come to us when we think of this word, um, whatever the word is for the end day theme. So it's a really fun process where we throw everything onto the paper and then we start organizing. We pull out content and we start to then pull out themes in the way that we hope to deliver it. It's going to be most valuable for you. So hopefully it is. And we're excited to talk more about you know, community. I think really what intrigued us initially is just looking at how far back community goes. You know, that some of the earliest people in the world in the Neolithic era were the people to build the first communities. So when you think about the history of humankind, we started off as nomads, right? So we traveled from place to place in search of food, in search of water, in search of safety. And over a period of time, once we discovered, you know, fire and discovered agriculture, we we started to become a much more sedentary, you know, or civilization. And what that meant for us was that we settled, we, you know, put down roots, literally and figuratively, we started to grow crops uh, that helped us sustain ourselves over a period of time, we no longer had to move around. And so because of that, we started to create these small spaces where we would actually start interacting with groups of people beyond just our family, our immediate family, we would really have this dependence on other people around us. And that's what started to build community. So we loved how historical this was. I mean, this goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years into our history, all the way up to today. And so we're excited to talk about, you know, some of the changing nature of community over over the last, you know, couple thousands of years and then, you know, what it means for us now. And when we first started talking about this, Leah, the book that came to my mind was Sapiens. So there is a book called Sapiens. It's been written by Yuval Noah Harari. For those of you who have not read it, I encourage you to pick it up. It is a long book, but it is fascinating. And it is about the evolution of Homo sapiens. And so when we both got really excited about this history of community, I remembered Yuval talking about it in Sapiens. And to piggyback off what you said, he talked a lot about this intimate community. So an intimate community, as he defines it, is a group of people who know one another well and depend on each other for survival. So back in the day, prior to the Industrial Revolution, human beings depended on their family and their neighbors for everything. If you got sick, the neighborhood doctor took care of you. Um, If you needed food, your neighbors helped you with that. Everything was taken place in the community of people that you lived in. And so interestingly, and what he talks about is how after the Industrial Revolution, or with the rise of Industrial Revolution, I should I should say, the state and the market, so government and consumerism, actually, and this is a quote from the book, 
The state and the market approached people with an offer that could not be refused. Be individuals. So individualism actually arose from the state and the market that happened in the Industrial Revolution. So people stopped having to rely on their family and their neighbors, and they were able to rely on, you know, health care from provided by the government or go to a market and buy the things that they wanted to buy as a consumer. And so this individualistic nature that arose actually shifted what community meant. And he then talks about imagined communities. So this brings us to current day. And this is we'll spend a lot of time talking about this is who is your community today and how is that created? How is that formed? So in this imagined communities, the example he gives in the book is, you know, if you love Madonna, you're going and you're to Madonna concerts, you're buying Madonna t-shirts. You're hanging out with people who listen to Madonna. And that's your community that you formed around Madonna. And he talks about a community around veganism, a a community around love for computers. I mean, anything under the sun. And so it's just so fascinating looking how far back historically communities go, how they've evolved and changed over time with the rise of technology and bring us to where we are today. Mm, yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, what you're illustrating is this move from a community of, you know, a, I don't want to say force, but that's, for lack of a better word, a it forced was. community yeah, yeah. all the way out to now, which is a community of choice, right? And that's yes. how most of us live is in our communities of yes. choice, which is liberating and also as we scary, might see, yeah, maybe, scary yeah. or comes at some sort of cost for us. So really interesting kind of thought and topic there. You know, I think the the cool thing as I started to look through this is really around the power of connection. I love, you know, when you think about community, all sorts of words come to mind, all sorts of visions and thoughts. For me, I just think it comes down to the importance and power of human connection. And, you know, I was looking at one of the, the studies that was done Back in the 1980s, it was 1988 by J.S. House, K.R. Landis, and D. Umbersom. And the study was around connection and the fact that lack of social connection actually led to greater detriment to our health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure, while stronger social connection actually led to a 50% increased chance of longevity. And, you know, if, if for me, I'm a data person. Like, I love all the, the stuff in the air. But when things come down to numbers and seeing things like this, you know, there's really no way to deny how important it is to have strong connections with other human beings because we really are already all connected. Yeah. And when you think about community, obviously you're thinking about being surrounded by others. And so how does community play a role in your life? You know, I think it's it's interesting when we were thinking this through, one of the things that came up for me is, you know, the communities of your childhood and the communities of your adulthood. So, you know, I grew up in California in the Bay Area and, you know, my parents really created, just like your parents did, create your community. So, you know, for example, when we were younger, we went to church. That was our community. Uh, you know, being a young black female, my parents wanted to put me into a space where I'd be around more young black kids. And so I was part of youth groups that were really focused there where I could find commonality with people. You know, my community when I was young was also around sports, right? So soccer, track, I mean, everything that I did created that little bit of community. But it was all very much a community of what my my parents believe was right for me, right? And so I think in your, you know, your early early to mid 20s, you start to you start to shift a little bit and you start to realize, you know, once you go off to college, you know, there's no more forced anything, mm-hmm. right? You aren't being told what you're supposed to do next. There's not a next schooling environment that has to come. It's really about creating your own life. And so when I think about community today for me, 
it's really it is Jackie exactly what you said it's it's the 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 imagined communities where you know I'm creating my own around the fact that I'm a dog owner and so one of the ways that I have community is other people around me that own dogs in my neighborhood you know I'm a runner and so you know being able to run with other people is incredible though I generally like to run on my own I'm totally <laughs> open to running with people you know there are all sorts of ways now that I think I've I've built community but Ultimately, it comes down to, you know, for me, actually, it comes down to one-to-one human connection, which is really important to me, sometimes even more so than, you know, being in a space where I'm with a whole bunch of people. You know, I've thought about times where I've been at a party or I've been in an environment where, you know, there was this, you know, perceived community, but I felt totally alone. Mm. And so I think community for me is really about this deep connection with someone else. And if you can find that with a lot of people, good on you. I think you bring up some just fascinating points there. And what came to me was this sense of belonging. So so for me, I mean, I couldn't agree more around this like forced nature of community growing up. And when you think about the information that I just shared around sapiens and that intimate community, obviously that was before state and market became part of our everyday lives. And we grew up in this era where we have state and market as part of our lives. However, we also had this almost intimate community of ourselves that we grew up in uh, where our parents were doing the best that they could do, the best that they wanted for us was what we got. And and, and we're, we're both very grateful and lucky for, for our childhood years. And at the same time, we both had moments in our lives where we made a choice to maybe change the script for ourselves, change the people we surrounded ourselves with. For you, moving locations across the, you know, across the United States, really choosing a different path and a different sense of belonging to be with people and communities that really filled you up. And we talk a lot about filling our cup and what makes us fulfilled. And so much of it comes down to that human connection. And when I think about communities for myself, and I can even say, you know, going through my own transformation over the past few years, I've been very deliberate around about surrounding myself with people who I feel like I belong. And I will say LinkedIn has played a huge role in that. I feel like I belong at this company. I am surrounded by people who accept me for who I am, who allow me to be my authentic self every day, who allow me to be vulnerable in the workplace. I I feel comfortable speaking up. I feel comfortable admitting when I make mistakes because I don't have a fear of backlash at this company. I feel very much like I belong. I align with the company's culture and values. So I am so grateful for the community LinkedIn has given me. I'm sure would, you yeah, have I, I stuff to say about agree. that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. When I, I started in 2010 and I have since then, I mean, I've my best friends have worked here. Like I've been in weddings. I'm going to be in a wedding this year with someone that I worked with at LinkedIn who's since left the company. I've been, you know, actively there when people have, you know, had new babies that have met at LinkedIn. You know, I've I've been a part of so many things here. And so, you know, it's it's such a uh, it's completely in the fabric of who I am. It was my first job out of college. Uh, you know, it's I feel like I grew up here. And so I remember and you said you feel comfortable making mistakes and, um, you know, and and all of these things. And I think a big part of that comes from the leadership and what they've built. And I remember, um, you know, one of the times we were 
uh, I was in sales development in 2011, and we were we did a little contest. Mike Gamson was visiting, and whoever won the contest that, that day got to drive Mike Gamson, our senior VP of sales, home or not home, sorry, to the airport. Home would be Chicago. That would be a very long drive, um, <laughs> Road which trip I'd with gladly Mike take. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember us talking about what we have here, which was the no asshole policy, and I thought that was so cool. I had never heard that before in my life. But it remains, and I think that's part of the reason I feel so comfortable at this company is I feel like I am consistently surrounded by good people. They may be different from me, and that's totally okay. That's actually amazing. That fosters my growth, and I'm different from them. But I know that deep down, the people that I work with here have amazing intentions, are good people, and that we're sort of all here doing this together. And I want to call out for our listeners who may not work at LinkedIn that that may sound funny or a little bit odd, the, the no asshole policy, and yet... It has really shaped our culture here in in the terms that we hire kind and compassionate people. And that's that's what we value at this company. You know, you made me think a little bit about diversity. And, you know, I grew up in a very white, actually Jewish neighborhood um, where there wasn't a lot of diversity and diversity in terms of, of race and ethnicity um, and backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. And in my adulthood, I have learned the importance of surrounding myself with people who may not look like me. And I have learned so much from that. And I will say LinkedIn has also played a big role in that for me as well and really um, underlining the importance of surrounding yourself with a diverse group of people. And so um, I now have friends who are from all different races, all different ethnicities, all different ages, different genders. And I have learned so much about open-mindedness and open-heartedness and knowing that I can feel like I belong even if someone doesn't look like me. And that has been such a powerful powerful lesson. Yeah, it's, I'm, you made me so curious. It's kind of like, who would you be if you hadn't have had this experience to open up to all these other people that maybe would never cross paths with you in a normal day or normal environment? Yeah. And it's setting intention, I think, also around surrounding yourself with different people, right? And everyone mm-hmm. is unique and everyone is individual. And we talk a lot about diversity here as being everyone is diverse, right? It doesn't matter what you look like. We are all unique individuals and we all bring something to the table, which I just think is such a special, special thing. And when you think about community, I think diversity of a community is, is a key pillar for sure. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think, you know, when I think about my parents, I was raised in Oakland, which is an incredibly diverse area in the Bay Area. And the Bay Area isn't entirely diverse. Not all of it is a diverse place. So Oakland was a purposeful choice for my parents and getting my brother surrounded by my brother and I surrounded by people that looked like us and didn't look like that, look like us. And so I think, you know, in growing up the way that I did, I have a very unique perspective on the world, on people. I'm incredibly comfortable around most people because of the fact that I've had to be. So, you know, when I think about my friends and, you know, who they are and the experiences I had as a child, it made it really easy for me to fall into different different friend groups. Whenever people meet me or they come, they meet all the friends that I'm, I, the people I have in my circle, they're like, whoa, where, who are all these random people? Because I really can, you know, build relationships with most people. And so I feel really fortunate to have, you know, had that experience and to be able to live in New York City today. You know, I think about where I'd really love to live and where, I, where I'd want to live. It's places like this, which reflect where my parents raised me and, and really how I'm able to live in that space comfortably, knowing that I, you know, am not the majority and I feel okay with that. Yeah. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. 
In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And I think I want to go back to this this moment of belonging because it seems like for you, it's you feel comfortable and like you belong. And, and maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but with all different types of people because you, you know, have grown up with that and you're, you, you get that sense of community regardless. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's it's kind of back to the the quote that I was sharing from the research around human connection. And that's why I think it struck me so much is that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all here together. We all have a way to connect with each other. And all you have to do is dig a little bit deeper and you'll find it. And that's kind of been it's been something I didn't realize until maybe a few years ago. And it didn't really crystallize until, you know, last year for me that, all this other stuff doesn't really matter. When you can find connection, that's what builds relationship and that's what builds love. And so one of the things, you know, I think about community and, uh, you know, be remiss if I didn't say, you know, my coaching community has been an incredible space for me to find relationship, connection and love. And we are all completely different people that found that in a very short period of time. So, you know, I think the, the big thing here is recognizing, you know, community is everywhere. It is not just the people love who that. live next door to you, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and you bring up such a good point around connection and love um, because I feel like the people in my community have given that to me as well, and that is what allows me to be my authentic self and mm-hmm. to show up, which allows me to feel like I belong. I can be who I am. I could be silly. I could be weird. I can bring my full self to everything. And I'm supported and loved by the people around me. I, I too, have um, a really great coaching community as well. Um, 23 people from all different walks of life who have become like my family this year. And and we, we talk about family and, and there's blood family and then there's family that you create. Um, and, and for me, that creation of family with friends, with people around me in my community has been so powerful. And I just get so much of it. When I think like what being part of a community creates for me, it is this sense of deeper connection to your point and being able to connect with people on a different level. You know, 
this wouldn't be an episode of In the Arena without a Brene Brown quote. <laughs> and so, you know, Brene Brown talks about belonging. And I just want to read this quote because I just I just love it so much. She says, the truth is belonging starts with self-acceptance. Your level of belonging, in fact, can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance because believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic, vulnerable and imperfect. When we don't have that, we sh- shape shift and turn into chameleons. We hustle for the worthiness we already possess. Oh, and it just yeah, comes it down. So when we talk about authenticity, <clears throat> right? Yeah. It, it really does start with that self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we spend so much of our lives. When you think about, you know, our experiences when you're in elementary school and then you move into middle school and you know cliques form and groups form and then you move into high school and those get tighter and then you move to college and all of these areas of our lives I think we spend so much time trying to fit in and Brene Brown talks a lot about fitting in versus belonging and that there's actually a difference right so it was interesting you know when I was leading BLP last year someone introduced the concept to me of cultural fit versus cultural ad and I loved that concept because Cultural ad is actually a nod to belonging, and cultural fit is a nod to fitting in. And what fitting in is, is trying to become or becoming a chameleon to make sure that you fit perfectly into the box that people want you in so that they feel like they can accept you. Where belonging is saying, this is who I am, and as long as I show up in this way, the right community and connection will come to me. Yes, I love it. I love it. And it, it just shows you how... Everything really starts from within, right? We can't create our external circumstances if we are not coming from a place within of self-acceptance, of self-worthiness, of self-love. It all starts from there. And to your point, the communities you create will then come to you, and and that's where you create that deeper connection and belonging. What are some things – yeah, I'm curious, Jackie. Like how do you – when you think about self-acceptance, that's such a big – topic, right? But I'm curious if you could distill it for some listeners. Like, what do you do to create self-acceptance? I, you know, similar to what we spoke about actually in our last episode around vision is when I have these thoughts that may be self-sabotaging or um, against what I truly believe, what I truly value, I have compassion towards myself. And I say, these are just thoughts and I can choose to think differently. Um, you know, there's actually a practice where if you look into the mirror and, and talk to yourself and, and say some positive affirmations, I love myself, I am self-worthy. And I've done that because it doesn't always come from us. We all have these fears inside us that that are, are there, right? And it's kind of acknowledging those and recognizing that they don't have to be there and choosing differently. And so something like talking the mirror or I have positive affirmations written on my phone. And if I'm feeling a little icky or or angry or um, annoyed with myself, I'll pick up my phone and read some of these affirmations. And they're like affirmations that say, I am enough. I am a compassionate person. I am worthy. And I believe it. I really believe it. And we all should because everyone has that inside of them. And I think to our point around setting intentions, it's being intentional about taking strides to make you feel not unworthy about yourself. And that starts with you. Mm-hmm. I love that. I was going to say everything you just said. So, <laughs> so ditto. <laughs> um, I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the mirror, the mirror talk, and I know it, it sounds weird because it feels weird. Trust me, when you start doing it, you're like, "What is going on here?" But you know what? I think it sounds and, and feels weird because it, it's a maybe something that people don't speak about, 
that much. Um, so it doesn't seem that commonplace, right? But when we're thinking about fitting in, who are you trying to fit in for when it really starts with self-acceptance? So it's it's maybe doing something that seems outside of your comfort zone for a little bit and being okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other things that, that I do too, agreed on the affirmations, is also just spending time with yourself. Like, I think it's really important to intentionally spend time with yourself whenever you can, you know, fit in some amount of time to just be there with you and and get comfortable in your own experience. Um, So I think one of the things community does in some ways, particularly in communities where there is this feeling of wanting to fit in, is it takes away from your experience of of realizing what your life is on your own. So like you said, and kind of to your point, it's, it's about creating this really amazing space where you know your life is incredible on its own. And you're allowing amazing people to come into it versus going, oh, my gosh, how do I make my life incredible? Mm. Let me go find people to make it incredible. Let me fit in somewhere. And then I can feel that my life is actually great. Yeah. And that's such an incredible distinction that you made there. And, you know, something that we've spoken about earlier on this podcast is um, recognizing that you you and I, we are um, comfortable with the uncomfortable sometimes. We um, have been having these types of conversations for a long time. And so, you know, I encourage, I think we both do, our listeners to, if they want to do one thing that will be different, it's try it. Even maybe just trying to write down an affirmation um, on your phone. Um, it doesn't have to be the mirror exercise. Um, but even Googling maybe self-acceptance and finding something that works for them, it doesn't have to be every day, above and beyond, all different types of exercises. Um, But I think we both encourage people to maybe take one step to what feels comfortable for them. Yes. Love it. Love it. Uh, All right. So again, our podcast wouldn't be our podcast without posing a question uh, to you all as the listeners. Um, So we have a two-part question for you today. Hopefully, the first part will help you learn a little bit more about you, and the second part will help you, again, forward some of your action. So the question is, what communities in your life do you feel most yourself? And then how can you create more of that experience for yourself in your life? Great questions. Yeah, and we'll be thinking about these too, just FYI. We we spend time with this, so um, we're excited to hear what you all have to say. We're excited to do this learning for ourselves and looking forward to next time. Looking forward to next time. And if you want to visit uh, go slash mindfulness internally at LinkedIn, that is the microsite that houses our episodes. You can listen there. Uh, we look forward to continuing this journey with you. Bye, everyone. Bye.